on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio, 97.7, one. ESPN Radio, Utica Row, now on 96.5 FM. You can listen on the ESPN app, take us with you wherever you go, hustling and bustling, getting ready for the big holiday later this week. I'm excited about uh, Thanksgiving, as usual, as I'm sure you are, but uh, we'll be here on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, get some shows in there, then send you off to Grandma's house for Thanksgiving on Thursday. We will not be here Friday, so get uh, your on-the-block fix before you get your turkey fix later in the week. So we'll be here Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of the holiday week, and you can still listen to ESPN Syracuse and everything happening here on the ESPN app. That is a terrific thing to have in your back pocket. You know, you go to Thanksgiving weekend, Uncle Fred starts talking about politics or something. You could just put in your headphones and listen to ESPN Syracuse via the ESPN app. It's a beautiful thing. Yes, Uncle Fred, we've heard this story 30 times of that time you met whoever, right? So let's get it, shall we? 437-7644. That's the phone number, Brent Tax Media on Twitter. The text line is 2880 Six four four. All great ways to get your hot takes flowing on the program today. That's hot. We'll do some hot takes later in the show as usual. Go on the blind side as we do every Monday on the block. Looking forward to that and a lot to go over from this weekend in the National Football League. But certainly we will focus most of our attention as much as maybe some of you may not want to. What was a pretty bad weekend in New York City? All things considered, uh, the women's basketball team got a win over Texas A&M and is now the highest-ranked team of the teams in the polls. The Syracuse men's basketball team fell out of one poll, right? But the women's team up to 14. The football team slid down from 12 to 19 in the AP poll. So uh, two out of three ain't bad, as they say. Football with a bad loss long-term it's probably not going to affect them that much other than image, other than a shot at a big-time program. And as we'll hear from Dino Babers here momentarily, the next time they get in that spot, they'll know how to handle it better. We'll go over what we feel will be some of the long-term effects of this weekend, things we'll continue to discuss through the year, and some of those things that we'll look back and say were short-term effects of those two losses to Connecticut and Oregon at Madison Square Garden. So plenty to go over. want all your thoughts on it, and we will do it as we press forward 
throughout the day here. I do want to start on the football end, and I want to start with you know a couple things that Dino Baber said. By the way, Dino, I am not making this up. We'll play the clip throughout the show. Was discussing how he, Tommy DeVito, and Eric Dungey hang in the hot tub. Which, if there's not a hot tubbing with Tommy DeVito feature on Cuse.com or somewhere, maybe I'll do it on Syracuse.com. Next season, when Tommy is fully the starting quarterback of this team, then we've all failed, right? So let's just get that right out there. That's hot. You can use that. I mean, let's go. Giddy up. You can get somebody to sponsor it, right? I'm just setting this whole thing up for you there. So that's one thing, but... Syracuse went to Yankee Stadium, which, in case you didn't hear, was a game that Notre Dame moved to Yankee Stadium, was a Notre Dame home game. And boy, was it. The stadium was decked out as close to Notre Dame as could be possible. Even the end zone and Yankee script had both Notre Dame. When you watch the broadcast, okay, and it was just odd. As much as Mike Tirico is a professional, and if you tuned in that broadcast and did not know his Syracuse ties, you would just you know walk away saying that's a guy that did a fair and impartial job. If anything, he went out of his way not to show his Syracuse roots, though. I mean, it's unavoidable. They discussed it. You are what you are. Your your school is where you are, and you have pride in your school. And I thought he did a terrific job calling the game. That was made a lot easier by the fact that it was a blowout, and there weren't many highlights to call, frankly, for Syracuse. But Boy, was it weird having Tarico direct, you know, a bus that was all about Notre Dame. Because those NBC Notre Dame broadcasts, I had not really sat down and watched a full one in a while. Like on a typical college football Saturday, you're kind of flipping around when you're not watching your team. We're not engrossed in a Syracuse game, right? I have not sat and watched a full Notre Dame broadcast on NBC in a long time. And boy, is it weird because it kicks off with our friend Liam McHugh, who we were going to have on the show Friday, but I didn't have a show on Friday because the basketball team lost, so there went that. Yeah, thanks a lot. So we'll catch up with Liam another time. But there's Liam, who is a Syracuse grad. He also went to UB. He was a Syracuse grad student, former intern on this program, and he's leading things off. And I'm like, I get it, man. You work for NBC and everything, but this is, ooh, that's, no, that's weird, okay? But then Tarico's calling the game. And by the way, of all people, Doug Flutie's good. He's good. I like Doug Flutie, but where did they come up with Doug Flutie? So random. There's nobody that played football at Notre Dame that can do that broadcast that's a competent broadcaster, a competent color guy, like no one? Of all the people. But then I just it was weird. Like Mike Tarico, Syracuse guy, Doug Flutie is the NBC broadcast team. And they're good, but it's just okay. And it's just a Notre Dame commercial the whole time. And the every time they go to break, they're usually when you watch these broadcasts. Seth and I talked about this on the Syracuse Sports Podcast, which you can download today. iTunes, Google Play. Every time they go to break, when you watch these games, it is all about Notre Dame. Typically on a college broadcast, you've all seen them, right? Each school gets its own commercial at some point during the game. But it is just all about Notre Dame, which, again, is not a surprise at any stretch. It was just nauseating to have to sit through that. And then the game is getting out of hand, and it just 
became all about that. It is a deja vu no one wanted to experience. But it happened. And when Eric Dungy went down, how did that affect the team? Here's what Dino Baber said about that. I don't know if that was that big of a blow. I, the thing that I saw was a lot of, there was a lot of mistakes, you guys, that were going on, uh, missed tackles, uh, drop balls. I mean, there we, we're dropping touchdowns in the end zone on guys that have made plays for us the last two or three weeks. We've got guys that are jumping up and locking in and catching the football and then hitting ground, hitting the ground and the ball is coming out. We had, you know, I'm not going to call any guys out. We had very, very, uh, for the most part, our veterans played extremely well uh, on three sides of the ball, offense, defense, and special teams. But you start going back to our, our young people, and uh, it was not good. It was, they did not handle the uh, surroundings well. It was disappointing. Now, that being said, the cool thing about young guys is they get older. And the next time we have an opportunity to do something like this, and Lord willing, there'll be a next time, they'll handle it a lot better. But uh, we were a little young young in the tooth on this one. Uh, we had a lot of young guys making a lot of mistakes. Dungy goes down, and it was an odd thing because it, this was not, you know, Central Michigan a couple of years ago when he takes a shot to the head. And, you know, Eric Dungy can be, he has a lot of flair to, to steal a term from a, a great movie out on the field. This was just a routine running play. And he comes back to the huddle. You can, he's he's limping. You're like, okay, maybe it's just working out the kinks. Sometimes you get hit hard and just kind of, as the expression goes, you got to walk it off. And then he's calling a play, and he comes back to the huddle, and then whammo, just drops like a sack of bricks. And he's reaching for his lower back. And you know something's up there. Which brings to mind, and of course, you know, Dino would not clarify today whether or not he's going to play on Saturday because maybe he doesn't even know yet. I mean, given the severity of that injury, it was, look, I'm not a doctor. I don't pretend to be one on the radio, but, you know, my wife's had a lot of lower back issues, and she could tell by the way it was reaching, and, she, you know, she's gone through a lot of the same things. Maybe there could be a nerve thing going on there. I mean, I don't know. Again, I'm not a doctor, and, you know, go back to that hot tub thing, apparently got in the hot tub by himself. He couldn't even get from the locker room to the team bus on Saturday. They had to cart him there. So we'll see how that progresses through the week, and certainly Dino will not tip his hand on that because that's just what football coaches do. But there was a moment there because the last time Tommy DeVito came in for Eric Dungy in a football game, he started slinging it, and you quickly forgot that Eric Dungy was out of the game. Tommy comes in, he throws the pass to the end zone. It is there. It is dropped. Had that pass been caught, and the crowd goes crazy, the Syracuse fans that were there, maybe Syracuse. I The way Notre Dame played that game, a complete and utter domination of Syracuse. It's probably not in the cards for the Orange to win that game. But had that been a touchdown, games swing on these plays. And what happened was there were drops that happened after that. And Eric Dungy being out of this game, though it's something a lot of these players have seen before, I think it really took the air out of the room, the stadium, the team, however you want to phrase that. Syracuse did run the ball pretty well, which I think they're going to have to against Boston College on Saturday. Dino even brought that up about the Eagles today, about you know kind of the way they play and how they make you adjust to what they fantastic, do. Fantastic, fantastic, okay, 
football team. They have not they have not missed a beat from the last time they played us here at the Dome. Uh, one of the most physical teams in the conference. They kind of do it the old-fashioned way. I kind of admire that. You know, it is 1950, 1960, 1970 football, and you really don't have a chance to beat them unless you go back into their era and play them the way they want to play. And it's a, it's a, it's a challenge, and we're excited about it. Long-term, this is not going to affect this team. No matter what, they have doubled their win total. They're going to go to a decent bowl game. I think most people are rooting against it being the pinstripe bowl again because New York City has not been kind to Syracuse. The basketball teams lost four of their last five at Madison Square Garden, which is kind of amazing to think about considering how friendly uh, a building that usually is to Syracuse. The football team lost to Notre Dame at Yankee Stadium. Do you want to go back there a month later and play a bowl game? Kind of been there, done that in a lot of ways. So you want to get to nine and three because you're nine and three and you're second place in the Atlantic Division, and that's a five win jump over what you did a season ago. But I think you also want the Camping World Bowl. I think you want a shot at Orlando. Orlando late December sounds nice for a lot of people. New York City's not a bad second, but a lot of people, including over the weekend, have kind of done that. Or the two other times Syracuse has played. Do you really have to play at Yankee Stadium four times? in eight years. The novelty of that has worn down. Beggars can't be choosers. We'll all take the pinstripe bowl because it's a bowl. Syracuse has not been in one the last two years. But Dino kind of phrased it as a freebie, and I understand what he meant by that. I think some other people kind of took that the wrong way. This is certainly not a freebie this week against Boston College. It's going to be really interesting to see how Syracuse is going to have to bear down and win that game. But more to come. Throughout the week on that, we'll hear more from Dino Babers and what he said after this game and at his press conference today, including the hot tub comment. You got to hear, we'll hear from uh, what Jim Beheim noted after losses to UConn and Oregon, getting to some SU hoops talk as we press forward. There's plenty to do, and we'll keep doing it. Uh, what we're going to get into coming up after we chat with our friend Lee Baldwin here shortly is to steal a phrase from Marty McFly. Boy, this is heavy. And if you saw 60 Minutes last night, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but it's something I think is very worthy of discussion in a lot of ways, and we'll get into that coming up. First, we're going to see if the our friends on Wall Street had better news than the performance of the Syracuse football and basketball teams over the weekend in New York City. So Lee Baldwin, our friend from Lee Baldwin and Company, joins us now, uh, and that, you know, Syracuse <laughs> didn't have a good weekend in New York City, Lee. What about Wall Street? They're in New York City. Do they have a better day today? Yeah, X-Man, I think a little bit more of the same today. We were down about a 1.5% for most of the major averages, but you can hold on to this. Uh, Thanksgiving week is generally positive, 75% of the time, so uh, we're looking for some rallies in the in the shortened week here. So. Um, I do have a diamond today, though. Verizon hit a new 52-week okay. high, over 60 bucks a share. A lot of local people own that, so that's good news. And we're closely watching tonight Victoria's Secret. Are you shocked by that? <laughs> closely watching. Uh, they have earnings. I'm going to give them my dog today, down 2%, but uh, we will give you a full report tomorrow. Does the fashion show affect the stock price? We'll yes, find out does. tomorrow <laughs> on Diamonds and Dogs. Great stuff. Thanks, Lee. Appreciate right, it, bud. See you guys. Lee Baldwin, Lee Baldwin.com, or just stop in in Casanova and Utica and make sure you've got more diamonds than dogs on your, pol- on your portfolio. 
portfolio. Say that five times fast. Portfolio. If you watched 60 Minutes last night, it got real dusty in the room. And a Central New York legend, a Syracuse football legend, has the fight of his life ahead. But the way he's approaching it is nothing short of inspirational. We'll discuss that coming up. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. Welcome aboard. Either way, we're so glad to have you here. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. 97.7, 100.1 here in Syracuse. If you're in Utica, don't forget. We're rocking it back on the FM, baby. 96.5 FM. Or just download the ESPN app and take us with you wherever you go. We've had plenty of discussion about Syracuse Football, Notre Dame, yeah, nobody wants to go to Yankee Stadium, lose 36-3. But in a way, as Dino Babers noted last week, it kind of was a freebie. If you win this week, you go 9-3, and you're still going to a great bowl game. You've won five more games than last year. And Notre Dame was the only game on the schedule that somebody truly manhandled and controlled the game against Syracuse. Your other two losses came down to the end against Pittsburgh and Clemson. And, oh, by the way, those teams are meeting in the ACC championship game. So that whole you're playing with house money thing, I think, still applies in some ways for football. And then, of course, there was. I can tell you that yesterday, Sunday, him, myself, and Tommy DeVito were in the hot tub talking about the game. He got in on his own. I'll even answer that one for you. That's uh, that he being, of course, Eric Dungy, who was hurt on Saturday. And, you know, look, I'm not a doctor, but that looked pretty serious to me. You don't want to rush him back out there if need be. I'm pretty sure Tommy DeVito's capable of beating Boston College. That defense, that running game is capable of beating Boston College. Save Eric Dungy for the bowl game. If you can, that's my unsolicited, I don't have a medical degree advice, but if they look at him, he could play. It was a temporary thing. Then giddy up, let's go. Clearly a different team without him. That mobility was needed against Notre Dame. But even if Nikeem Johnson catches that touchdown and a number of other things, I mean, Notre Dame, I think we saw Ian Book, the way he was locked in, not only escaping pressure when it was even there, but the throws he was delivering. Dexter Williams, terrific. That defense, overwhelming as anticipated. Like, Notre Dame is just locked in right now. Absolutely locked in. So, that capped a pretty bad weekend in New York City, other than the women's basketball team. Shout out to them for getting that win over Texas A&M. But Hoops had a very uncharacteristic loss on top of a loss. Uncharacteristic in the way that, I mean, they were just outplayed against Connecticut. And we weren't here Friday, didn't have the opportunity to talk about that game. I'm very careful when I say this about Syracuse basketball, really any team. Because it's it's just a lazy thing for people like me to say sometimes, oh, they were outplayed in that game. They were out-hustled in that game. But the way Connecticut plays, by the way, I got a really funny text about this. The on-the-block text line is 288-0644. Uh, Brent, has Vegas released an over-under for ejections this season for Dan Hurley? He's already at one. Whatever it is, take the over. But the way that Connecticut played, that And this is Dan Hurley. This is the mark of his team. It is intense. It has come at you for 40 minutes. It is pressure defense. And you better be ready to run for that entire basketball game. They did outplay Syracuse. They did outmaneuver Syracuse. They out-hustled. However you want to out-fill-in-the-blank, that happened. 
Add in the fact that Syracuse did not shoot the ball well in that game, and they still lost 83-76. They didn't get their doors blown off. This wasn't a 30-point loss. They got out-rebounded 46-32, but no, I'm, I'm going to throw a number of things at you here, but it's going to circle back to the same thing. This team cannot shoot the ball right now. And I say this on November 19th, which brings to mind, what are some of the long-term things that we'll be discussing throughout the season that Syracuse needs to improve on, and what are some of the short-term things I'm going to put the way this team is shooting the ball in the short-term category. I mean, yes, Brissett, Battle, Hughes, and Beheim combined to shoot 9 of 43. That's 21% from three-point range. It's 18% overall. That will get better. It has to get better. And if it doesn't, you're in big, big trouble. But I think we're all willing to concede that that gets better. They were shooting 18% coming into New York. They shot 22% in New York. That's 345th in the country right now. They were 324th in the country last year. Buddy Beheim, when he's put in the spot he should be, and Jim Beheim even told me this last week when we did our weekly interview that he didn't want to start him, put him in the position he was in. Once he comes in and has kind of that more reserve role, spot shooter role, he's getting set up better, he'll start making shots. I love the confidence that Elijah Hughes is showing. He wants the ball. He's shooting, you know, he didn't shoot to the level you would want him to after we've heard about, you know, his great offensive skills and what we were hearing about at practice. And there was a lot of buzz about him coming in. I love the way he played, though. By the way, it's seven steals in New York as well. There's The two guys that had the most steals and played the best defensively are two of the newer players. Now, Hughes practiced with this team all of last year, but is just getting out there on the court in real games. And how about Jalen Carey? Back in New York City, ACC Rookie of the Week, as Seth told you in the update a few minutes ago. Yeah, the beginning of that Connecticut game, you're like, wow. I just went to the bathroom and came back, and you picked up five more turnovers. But I think he recovered from that. 13 of 22, shooting 12 of 14 from the free throw line. Now, the one thing you look at and say, that's got to get better at the position you're playing, temporary or not, he had one assist two games. But for a freshman pardon me, to be thrown into that fire with the guard situation where it's at and come out of that, the ACC Rookie of the Week and probably the best player on that team was very impressive. I'm high. I'm buying Jalen Carey stock right now. He just needs reps. He just needs time. He's going to make mistakes, but he will figure it out, which kind of circles me back to whether this will be a long or a short-term thing. If you're talking yourself into this team will be fine when Frank Coward comes back, I'm not going to disagree with that fully. But let's not pretend like all their problems evaporate when Frank Coward comes back because they're still missing a lot of shots that were open one way or the other. But clearly they were disorganized without him. Nobody knew where to go, who to take over, who's running what. Like, there was a wheel. They were a step slow in hesitation. You're playing your best when you're just playing, right? And you're running the sets, and you're going through it, and it's second nature to you. Without Frank Howard out there, that's clearly not the case. Because Jalen's got to do it here, and Tyus has to do it there, and, they're, and they're, you know it just put everybody off a step. I think O'Shea Brissett's got to know better. And when you're not shooting, when it's not flowing, and he's been hitting him in practice. But there's a point when you just got to say, I got to hit the rim. I got to attack the basket. Tyus Battle, I think, kind of figure that out. 
was getting to the free throw line, scrapped. It, it didn't feel like Tyus at his best, but you look up at the end of the day, he's got 16 and 17, and at least, you know, kind of pushed Syracuse forward and, and tried to get him back in those games. But, I mean, UConn in, in Oregon shot 46% from the three-point line, 52% overall. They were allowed to penetrate. They were hitting from the perimeter. It was uncharacteristic of Syracuse because the one thing, and again, last year's last year, this year's this year, it's unfair to compare, and this team is you know, kind of coming together here. But what I thought you could count on is, well, Syracuse is going to play that zone at least. And I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this. The movement would be there in the zone. The, the passion would be there, the relentlessness that we saw a year ago. Like, you've got everybody back from that. I was And I know Frank Howard's out right now, so that takes a piece out of the puzzle. But I was surprised to see the ease at which UConn and Oregon scored in one sense. Look, Bull Bull is tough to guard, but at least make it hard on him. Eric Cotton. Now, here's the thing. Seth and I actually talked about this on my podcast today, which I hope you can download on iTunes and Google Play. How many bull bulls are you going to see this year? Not a lot, because he's such a unique prospect. But you are going to see a lot of Eric Cobbs from Connecticut who came in, you know, welcome to the Who's This Guy Club, who came in and dominated Syracuse, this case, 13-13. and You are going to see a lot of players like that. That if there's no physicality, you don't push back on, or at least challenge in, in a way, you're going to have problems. To see Pascal Barama and even Merrick Doljai, who you can't play at the five in big spots, but can play in the five when it works. But those guys got pushed around. And that's surprising from, you know, look, sometimes it happens to Pascal and Barama. But to see Merrick kind of struggle in that sense was surprising. So there's a lot that just didn't go right. And when some when one thing doesn't go right, it leads to the other. And the next thing you know, you just don't have it. Thursday was a lively atmosphere. Friday, it was like 2,000 people showed up by accident to watch a pickup game between Syracuse and Oregon on Friday. It's 4.30 in the afternoon. It's weird. The vibe wasn't there. Everybody was anticipating Syracuse-Oregon as the game to watch, but not the consolation. I mean, who had Iowa winning the 2K Classic? Sir, put your hand down. You're lying, right? You're giving me Syracuse. You're giving me Oregon. You're giving me UConn. I'm not taking Iowa, and maybe that's our fault for not paying more attention to Iowa basketball, but I didn't have that one. What's temporary? What's long-term? I think the shooting woes are temporary. They will shoot the ball better. Long-term is, okay, are you where you need to be? Are you playing defense the way you should? Who is, is kind of commanding things out there? Will Frank Howard just come in and all will be well? I'm not so sure about that because, first of all, he's got to ease his way back in. You get Colgate on Wednesday, and then you get Ohio State next week. So you're going to be thrown right back into it. I would hope he gets a game in before you play him against Ohio State, but that's all on how he feels and a lot of things that you know Dr. Axe doesn't know about. What did you see that you feel we'll continue to discuss, and what did you see that you feel like will be old news by the end of the week? 
437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line's 288-0644. We'll talk more about that, get more into the football a little bit. We'll go on the blind side coming up. Plenty to do. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Thank you. Bye-bye.